0: Welcome to Overcoming, the podcast to support you in your healing, growth, and overcoming journey. My name is Taylor. I am your host, and I'm here to support you through tools, resources, and also shared lived experiences to inspire you to take back your life regardless of life's messiness. I am also a doctor of occupational therapy, certified trauma professional, and survivor who's been healing for years to remind you that anything is possible before we get started, I want to remind you that there is a trigger warning present throughout this entire podcast just due to the heavy nature of trauma and also shared stories from our guests. Additionally, this is for educational purposes only. Make sure that you are checking out and going to see your medical providers and psychology professionals for individualized advice. Again, take care of yourself. If you need crisis resources, they are on my website. You can also contact the emergency services. And now that all of that is out of the way, I invite you to take some deep breaths, ground yourself, and join me in this overcoming journey. Hi everyone and welcome back to Overcoming the Podcast. You are joining in today on this ADHD mini series where I am bringing on yet another guest. I'm very excited about and connected with long time ago before I was even diagnosed, found like one of his old videos in my like TikTok saved things before I even knew who he was or that I had ADHD that I literally related to. Um, And then full circle, here we are. So I have Ron with me from ADHD. Ron, Ron, do you want to say hi and introduce yourself?
1: Hello, everyone. Um, I'm Ron. Um, Go by ADHD underscore Ron on Instagram, ADHD coach Ron on TikTok um and yeah how's it going thanks for having me um excited yeah so man about me let's see I so I was diagnosed when I was younger like around 11 or 12
0: Mm -hmm. and
1: um really my I have like two separate ADHD kind of journeys here when when the pandemic started I was really going through a lot of like many people, a lot of mental health struggles um yeah. as an extroverted person, I really struggled with having to kind of isolate mm. um I was having a hard time activating myself to do anything. Yeah. Um, I remember one, you know when we had the uh like Zoom happy hours with friends where everybody was like, oh, we're gonna get together. I actually hated that because I felt, like, I wasn't getting the, you know, social aspect of things. I wasn't mm-hmm. feeling people there. And I'm someone yeah. that likes to pace, get up, walk around. And so having to sit in front of a Zoom screen with friends, I was like, I'm, I'm not getting anything out of this. I kept, like, leaving, coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was really frustrating for me. Yeah. Um, I started having panic attacks and a little bit, I think, having to do with um, being isolated, but also... Uh, I was really frustrated with where I was in my life. Mm. Um, I think from having kind of an entire, you know, life filled with you haven't reached your potential, or if you just apply yourself, things would work out better for you.
2: Um,
1: was kind of putting me in this position where I was in my mid thirties and I felt as if I hadn't accomplished anything. Um, and so I was having panic attacks, which I thought were uh, me having a heart attack. Uh, yeah. And it you feels know, like
0: you're dying, literally. It's great.
1: Like I, yeah. one night we woke up in the middle of the night, or I woke up in the middle of the night and woke my wife up in the middle of the night yeah. to tell her that I was having a heart attack. Um, she was like, I don't want to invalidate what you're going through, but I don't think you're having a heart attack. <laughs> and I was like,
2: <laughs> I swear I'm having
1: a heart attack, this is happening. <laughs> and she's like, okay, well, do you, what do you want to do? Do you want to call? And I was like, yeah, I'm going to call the nurse's hotline. And I called and I remember saying out loud to a nurse that I was having a heart attack and she started asking me questions. And I almost immediately was like, oh, I'm I'm not having a heart attack. I'm mm-hmm. fine now. This feels really silly. And uh, I started to go to therapy and Mm -hmm. in talking with my therapist, ADHD came up and um, I was like, yeah, I was diagnosed when I was younger and I don't take medication now. And I haven't for a while. And uh, we started exploring that. I started to get curious myself. So I started researching some things online and mm-hmm. found ADHD TikTok, which I'm sure a lot of people have found, yep. and um, found some really great creators that were validating me in a way that I'd never been validated before, right? My experience yeah. with ADHD was very much my my own perception of it, and then what I had been told from parents and teachers and doctors, mm-hmm. and so there wasn't a lot of community, and you know me sitting there talking to other people with ADHD going like oh i know right isn't that hard instead it was me saying something to somebody in like an off handed comment and them telling me either you know oh everybody deals with that or that's weird and stuff that it makes you feel like wow i should shut up right yeah um so after realizing all these things about ADHD i took a deep dive into it and started kind of posting content about my own experience, things that I was learning and really found that I wasn't embarrassed to post a video online talking about how I struggled to brush my teeth twice a day. You know, yeah. I wasn't embarrassed to, to kind of turn the camera ma- around and go like, look at my clothes everywhere and be like, hey, if you are dealing with this, like you're not alone, basically, right? Yeah. Um, it feels so small. You You sit there and think this is a personal failure of mine this isn't you know normal this Mm -hmm. is me not applying myself or not trying hard and when you're able to be like well wait no look I struggle with some things that other people think are stupid like they think it's just like this is silly
0: adults should be able to do this like
1: right yeah yeah. all the things I was struggling you -hmm. know when people say the term where they're just like uh adulting right like that was like a big thing we were like hashtag adulting yeah like I think there are people that were joking because I was not I was like no this is the worst thing ever it's a scam. Yeah. <laughs>
0: like, no really I'm like this is... too... I remember <laughs> I was like I got a doctorate degree like I I had like because for me it was like I was in like trauma mode for a long time and my nervous system yeah. was like wired in survival but like my way of coping was just like push through get it done anyways right Absolutely so I right. basically was like this hyper focus burnout, hyper focus burnout. I made sure I was a straight A student. I made sure I did all these things, but then the less structure I got in school, I started to realize that like I was having a really hard time. Um, And it's interesting that you bring up the stuff about like the daily life stuff, because I would struggle, same thing, get out of bed, brush your teeth, put away laundry. The main piece of shame for me was like, I would have laundry sitting in a chair for a couple weeks sometimes i you know it's like like the strategy like put it on your bed yeah (laughs) Yeah. it's not that bad right it's like put it on your bed so then you won't have to do it and i would like push it to the side of my bed a little bit so i could actually go to sleep and like but i could not do it and i'm like i want to do the thing i can't make my brain do the thing i am feeling so much shame for not doing the thing right now and all i can think about is the fact that i need to do the thing but i can't start and it's so simple and i would get so frustrated and um similar to you. It was just like, when I was talking to my therapist about things, it was like, well, that also can be something else. Right. Cause like, first it's like, well, it could be like avoidance fear response. And I'm like, no, I've done so much work to where now, like my nervous system is regulated. I'm not in this. And so my brain is having to relearn things and we're like, oh, ADHD has been there all along. Yeah. Um, And it is, it's a huge source of shame as totally. an adult.
1: There's, there's so many times that I talk with my clients that everything makes sense. I kind of feel this way about everyone, right? It doesn't mean that there's excuse for like shitty behavior or anything like that, right? But you can always like backtrack and be like, oh, I get it. Yeah. Right. And for ADHDers, we have like, we typically just feel emotions more intensely and struggle to regulate it. Mm -hmm. And so when you realize that from the beginning of your life, certain things are going to affect us more intensely right um and so when you realize that like shame and then your parents probably had adhd or something right like it ends up being genetic and so you're like oh so they were shamed into doing stuff they're shaming me into doing stuff and it's when you're like oh they're shaming you it's it becomes this thing where a lot of times it does come from love i'm not saying that everyone has the same experience that i did but when i think about my experience my my parents I think we're afraid because many ADHDers start out having uneven kind of brain development, right? So yeah. say uneven because there's certain areas where they're thriving um, mm-hmm. and then they get put into like, you know, advanced or gifted classes Yep, and you've got this pride as a parent where you're like, I'm so proud of my kid. Look how great they're doing they're five years old and they're testing out of math and like, Oh, this is great and fantastic. And then we hit a wall where things, executive function starts. We have to self-motivate, right? We have to start turning things in ourselves and there ends up being the struggle. Well, wait a second. Why are they struggling there? They're so smart and bright. Mm -hmm. And we think gifted kids as just, well, they're smart at everything. They're going to be great at everything. Mm -hmm. Um, And you know, executive function is such a strange thing to people that don't struggle super hard with it. Um, one of my favorite videos, um, and there's a, a few different people that that claim to have it and who created it, but um, I just know it from Jess, Jessica McCabe um, on YouTube, does the wall of awful.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: it talks about at, when kids, so an example is like a kid comes home and they have their backpack and the parents like, go do your homework. And they go into the room with their backpack and the parent walks in like 15 minutes later and the kid is just sitting with their backpack, like playing with a zipper. Yeah. And the parent is just like, I told you to start your homework. Why didn't you start your homework? And the wall of awful is this invisible wall that gets built from like difficulty with things. And as a child, when you can't communicate what you're struggling with, you know, it's almost like we don't have that button that means go. And so you're sitting there going, like, I don't know what to do right now. Like, how yeah. do I start things? Is there, like, do I have to pull a lever? Like, what? how do I get yeah. myself to do it? Yeah. And they're sitting there trying to figure it out. And these bricks get built from shame, from embarrassment, from not knowing things. Mm-hmm. And especially being told your whole life how smart and bright and great you are. Yeah. You start having kids that are just like, well, if I'm supposed to be great at this thing and I can't do it, then... It must be this personality flaw. It must be something I'm doing wrong. Yeah. And and you
0: take smart as your identity marker. A hundred percent. So then when you fail, who even am I? Right? Like People
1: start thinking it's manipulation. Then you start saying things where they're just like, oh, you're not doing that on purpose. Right? Or you don't want to do it. That's why you're not doing it. And it's like, well, I'm not doing it because sure, maybe, maybe it is because I don't want to but it's not because i'm choosing not to do it it's because yeah. my brain just There's is no like, dopamine
0: oh, <laughs> like it won't do no, it if i don't it. care i'm not doing it yeah
1: it has to make sense oh, right yeah. and so yeah. um a, a lot of things i talk about with clients too especially parents is like situational variability where they're like well i've seen them start this project or they were able to start their homework yesterday
2: mm-hmm. and
1: situational variability is the idea that there are so many things that go into play right like we talk a lot about making sure that you've had enough water enough sleep um you've gotten some exercise you've you know eaten well like all these things but then also just what kind of mood you're in like whether you had a rough day you know if you have any spoons left like any of this stuff has to do with whether or not you can succeed but we just look at it as every time that i show up to do something i should be able to do it and it's just there's going to be differences and we have to learn to give ourselves grace. So that's, that's something I'm really big on. Um, Every time I have like consultation with clients, I'm always just like, look, I can help you with what you want to do. But my big thing and my like push for the ADHD community is to give yourself grace because we ultimately do suck at (laughs) self-motivating. We have to really work hard to do things. Right. Yeah. If, if something's difficult for me to do, even if it's important and I know it's important, I have to put forth so much more energy to do that thing. Mm-hmm. And if there's multiple things of that, it's going to get harder and harder each time. So we find ways around it. We find ways to, you know, delegate. We find ways to like cheat the system, not cheat, but cheat the system where it's like, Oh, I really struggle with doing this. Well, I'm going to ask help for that. Or I'm found, I found a roundabout creative way to do it, right? Like how many of us have a thing where we're like, oh no, this is how I do it, watch this. And we have this amazing shortcut to get something done, right? Yeah. Um, and it's because that's our coping mechanism to do it. But unfortunately, without help and support, our coping mechanisms end up being sense of urgency, which procrastination, stressing ourselves out, making us feel like shit to motivate ourselves to do it and that turns into anxiety depression and eventually it runs out of its you know juice and we end up sitting there feeling like crap so
0: yeah and we have to push ourselves into survival mode in order to get our body to actually do the things we need to do we actually have to make it seem like I am in the woods or I am in nature and and there is a lion freaking (laughs) coming at me and I'm going to die if I don't do this. And I need all of the physiological stuff in that way to do it. And then we get addicted to that. And then we thrive and just learn how to live based on that addiction to being in survival mode. And we don't know any better. And we get to this point, like what I was talking about earlier is like this hyper-focus, but then you can only sustain that for so long because it's not like the lion's going to be coming at you forever. Our body in survival mode is meant to work like resolve. This is a short-term thing. And then once you're alive, you're good. But <laughs>
1: it, it stops being effective, but it yes. still ends up being like traumatic, right? Like we exactly. end up feeling the pressure from it, but we need it more. It's like a drug, right? Like mm-hmm. I almost think procrastination could be like a drug. If you use it all the time for everything, you have to use it more and more to get the effectiveness from it. But yeah. it's still gonna hurt you the same, and it, it gets to the point where I have clients like in their like late thirties, forties, even later than that, you know, saying, "I don't understand. It's it started to become harder and harder. Like, and now it's like debilitating. Now I can't do anything.
2: Yeah.
1: And it's like you burnt out. You're, yeah. you're chronically burnt out. Yeah. And you know, it's not just gonna be like, a, oh, I need a rest day or I'm gonna take mm-hmm. a weekend. It is a lifestyle change. It is relearning how to set boundaries. It is recognizing Mm -hmm. when your tank's on empty. You know, that's the other thing. We really suck at noticing when we're about to be burnt out. Like, our tornado warning is shit. Oh, yeah. And so that's a big thing that I think we, like, people need to work on, too, is, like, what are the warning signs? Sometimes they're weird, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I've, I've had situations with people where they say, like, oh... I get to a point like in a meeting where I am just controlling the meeting and like an hour goes by where I'm like, I've been the only one talking and I'm not letting anyone talk.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. And we like worked backwards and figured out that like I can tell when I'm gonna do that because before the meeting, I'll know that it's important because I'll almost I'll change my shirt. And that's Mm -hmm. how I know it's a really important meeting. And then I always find myself doing that. And I was like, cool. So when you change your shirt. They're like, okay, maybe I need to like take a second and a deep breath and recognize that it might happen again. And I need to be aware of it. Yeah. And, and it's just like little things to like, you know, cue us that things are happening. I used to have an elastic band when I was ruminating real hard about some weird shit. Yeah. Um, I used to think all my friends were being paid to hang out with me mm. because that was the only way that made sense in my brain that. That people would want to be my friend, which yeah. is really crazy now when I say it. But at the time, it made sense in my head. Yeah. And I had to find a way to, like, remind myself that I'm ruminating and to take a deep breath and calm myself down. And mm-hmm. this came from, like, tons of RSD and not knowing what it was. Yep. And so I wore an elastic band. And that was kind of like my, if you've ever seen, um, oh, what's the movie with Leonardo DiCaprio? Um, but the dream is... the
0: totem inception. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah, yeah One of my right? faves. One of so, my faves. So, like that's what it is. It was like my totem, this yep. thing of like a reminder to like mm-hmm. kind of snap me out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and start doing some like grounding techniques to kind of calm down my emotions. Cause your emotions that are a nine or a ten, logic is gone. Yep. You're not logically thinking yep. anymore. You're just yep. like problem solving with an emotional brain, and that can really suck.
0: Yeah. And uh, I've used this quote so many times, but like when I was teenager, um, one of my friends used to say when emotions are high, intelligence is low. And I was always like, well, that's really profound, but I don't quite understand it. But really, it's like you can't be it's like the the idea of like the upstairs brain and the downstairs brain is like you can't be on both floors at once. Mm -hmm. And like, one of them is your emotional brain. And one of them is going to be your logic brain. And you're going to have to climb all the way up to the top story to be able to access the logic brain, to be able to see things with more of like that bird's eye view and have more perspective. When you're down there, you're just all in the stuff and you're perseverating. And like you said, you're in that rumination pattern, right? And so you're just reacting, you're not responding. And so then you get in this cycle where, you know, you think that, you're right about everything. And then you make these decisions instinctively. And again, in this little, like maybe even a low level survival mode because our bodies thrive on stress and we struggle with regulating, right? And so then you're just kind of there and you're like, and then there's a lot of shame and impacts relationships and all the things. And yeah, I think it's interesting that you shared about like, you know, the different signs of like mine is apathy. I stop, I, I care so much about people and just life and I want people to be like the best that they can be and I give so much grace for mistakes and little things in human moments and even if someone like because I give a lot to people I'm a helper I'm an educator and like you know I've done coaching and things like that sure. Um, when people come to me even about little things like what do you think about this or what do you think about that even like I was talking to my assistant earlier she's like what do you think about this detail and normally I would have so much care and all of the little details and I was like I don't care post it I don't care like I'm I'm giving up my sense of diving into this, this could be better with this. I'm like, I, it's good enough, go. Like, that's my mm. sign that I'm like, ooh. Oh.
1: <laughs> I'm burning <laughs> well, out. <laughs> yeah. this, this
0: is not good, right? And like, that's because right. I do, I put so much care into the little details, especially in the yeah. things that I create. And I recognize that and I'm like, oh. and where it comes from. And, and that's when you really have to kind of look into things. And when you're saying like, we don't recognize those things internally because because when we have neurodivergent brains, we're great with pattern recognition externally
2: mm-hmm. we're we witnessing con- yeah
0: we don't connect with it i can tell you what's gonna happen in someone's life based on just how they're acting or whatever how they're gonna react to me whatever just even if they're like i haven't even like seen this person before but i can see just these little behaviors i know what this trajectory of this and like 99 of the time it's right you know i'm right. like a really good intuition do I have a really good intuition or have I just gotten really good at recognizing patterns because I've had to learn because my brain doesn't process that way right so it could be both but you have to learn those skills of the self-monitoring piece and I have found that not only as an occupational therapist and I've worked with kids who have ADHD or autism or anything else um, but also like coaching adults with trauma and other things that would be your brain is working differently and develops differently is really that the more that we try and internalize if someone you say something like what do you feel they're like i don't know but if i can give you an activity to take that and put it onto paper and logically mm-hmm. see something different and you can see a pattern there or a diagram or whatever i mean i do all kinds of activities then right. they can thrive and be like oh that's what that is but we can't just sit there and be like huh feeling kind of off. Right. Why is that? This, this happened. you literally just have to take it from, you know, cause like we have all of that hyperactivity in our brain anyway. So let's just process some more things and there, add feelings into the mix, add potential shame or judgment or whatever else that we're putting onto ourselves. Of course it's going to be hard.
2: Yeah.
0: And executive functioning challenges, put it into something objective and then you can start to see a little bit better. And I found that it just makes a world of difference.
1: Do you think when it comes to like us not recognizing um, the like these warning signs, a lot mm-hmm. of it also has to do with us not really connecting to our bodies. I think it was yeah. I don't know if it was Dodson or Barkley that says that ADHDers are basically just like walking brains, like it's yeah. we're just brains moving around because yeah. we we live in our our heads, like so everything's cerebral. right here, right? Yeah. And um, everything has to be figured out and logic. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, even for those of us that are super emotional, like we're problem solvers. And so everything has to make sense to us. Um, Mm -hmm. And if it doesn't make sense, we make it make sense. We almost can create a tie between it. Right.
0: Let me create the story that makes this make sense, whether it's true or not. Mm hmm.
1: Yep, and then you ruminate and that's yep, ugly. Yeah, and then
0: there's <laughs> like, anxiety and facts. all of these co-occurring diagnoses. It's right. fine. Yeah. It's fine. I don't
1: need facts. I don't need to sit there and get like <laughs> real evidence. I can make it up as I go and create my own story that makes sense in my head. Um, oh, man. yeah, it can get real messy. Um, but so yeah, that's my story. <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, I mean, okay. I uh I think with with ADHDers, right, there's there's so much information out there, some misinformation, sure, but um, I really love people giving accounts of their own experiences because, you know, example, like when I do groups with people, we've got some people that may not relate to everything, right? And so I, I've said this to people online too, where, you know, ADHD content might not all be relatable to you because we yeah. all have different experiences, right? But yep. I almost get it almost every time, right? It's either exactly what I'm going through or the exact opposite where I can like almost go back in my head and be like, wow, if this had happened to me, I would have went hard the other way. Like we're either one way or the other. It's like such an all or nothing thing. Yeah. Um, and, and it could always be traced back to be like, yep, that's how I was taught to do that. Or that's how my teachers treated me. Or that's how my parents decided to like,
2: yeah.
1: get me to do this thing. And we end up having... These things as adults that we either have to deprogram or give ourselves grace with. Yeah. Um so as I would say, like as an occupational therapist, what when you see someone with ADHD compared to not ADHD, do you treat that differently? Because I I always think how I remember when I first went to therapy, my therapist realized pretty early on that it was like oh some of these traditional techniques are not going to work for you like this is just not it
0: yeah 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 so um for those who are unfamiliar and i'm I'm pretty sure you are but for the audience who's listening occupational therapy in itself is a rehabilitation profession that is focused on function. Okay? okay. So it's not like psychotherapy or social work or anything like that. Our roots are in mental health where we're like a hundred years ago, trying to get people like re-engaged in the things that they want and need to do with whatever barrier, um, like sister professions to physical therapy or speech therapy, just different focuses. So occupational therapy, the root is occupation, which is anything that takes up time. So it's basically helping people overcoming barriers in their daily life, whether that's relationships, like their social emotional skills, whether that's, you know, someone who had a brain injury, someone who struck, like had a stroke and was in the hospital, a child with a developmental disability, adults with ADHD. There's like so many things, right? Um, And so it's just this holistic idea of human development and problem solving and basically activity analysis to be able to support people to get what they need and want to do. So basically I'm a creative scientific problem solver. That's how my brain was trained, which hi, neurodivergent brain that fits beautifully. Perfect. Perfect. Um, and also because of the neurodivergence, the reason that I ended up choosing this profession out of the others is like, I can go into a different setting and it's like a whole different career. Um, I just have the skill set. So, um, essentially when it comes down to working with different people, you treat what you see, not necessarily the diagnosis, but I will say that neurodivergent brains, absolutely. You have to do it differently and the reason is it has to be so simplified and I have found very visual in order to support learning styles of someone who Mm -hmm. is neurodivergent because there is so much in your brain all the time very intelligent but when it comes down to like the social emotional stuff or the daily life stuff like we're just trying to over process all of these things all the time that sometimes the simple things feel so overwhelming And so I even say, I tell people like, even in the way that I teach, like scientific information, I teach it differently because one, I had to do this my whole life. I had straight A's and I was that gifted burnout child, but I also had to teach myself this really heavy scientific stuff and break it down and twist it and have all of these, like, you can ask anyone in like my grad school groups. I had these weird mnemonics. I had these totally like out there ways of memorizing things and understanding right. and conceptualizing because it had to work that way for my brain. I couldn't just look at a research article and be like, this makes sense because of this, right? It just doesn't work that way. So I think that yes, there is a difference and a lot of the educational system is not set up for neurodivergence. That's why mm-hmm. there's things like this accommodations and things that we would hope would be there, but it's not always the case, right? right? So. The thing that really bothers me is that adults with ADHD is not a typical setting that I have seen insurance approved for occupational therapy, which blows my mind because the executive function and the daily life skills that people struggle with that. I mean, I literally have a course at this point on just executive functioning, teaching adaptive strategies, what even executive functioning is because sometimes the thing that I love about occupational therapy is it's not just We're going to make you progress and and build the skill and do this thing. It's not like we're just like going to build a muscle. Okay. It's like, sometimes we have to realize that this isn't going to change. So we need to change the demands of the task, the environment and adapt how you do it or prioritize based on your energy or whatever it is. And so then you do need adaptive strategies to still be able to do the things because a lot of the things you have to do in your life is not going to change, but you still have to, in your brain, may or may not change, right? Like you're, so yeah. you have to figure out how to work with it. So it is a lot of adapting. And the resistance that I find is it feels childish and it feels silly and it feels like, well, I shouldn't have to do it this way. Or, you know, like this right. is stuff that you would do with children. And I don't mean this in dis- by disrespect I'm, I'm all.
1: A Deep down, like, we're all children. Like, what are we not children, right?
0: When I work with <laughs> complex trauma survivors, even just in education or coaching or anything, and anyone who has any form of neurodivergence, a lot of the strategies and even activities that I've used in pediatrics are the sim- are similar, if not the same. 100%. Just not yeah. as, we're going to pretend this is play. It's yeah. literally just like the same type of, because that's how your brain works. Because also- your brain developed differently. You do not have a 40-year-old brain. You do not have the same type of executive functioning and all of these things that a typical neurotypical adult would have. I'm sorry. And that sucks. And that's really hard to hear. And I know that you might want to punch me in the face for saying that right now. I, I
1: mean, oh, you're talking to your face. I Maybe, was like, I'm I am talking I don't, to the people.
0: I'm like, I'm yes. talking, <laughs> I know. <laughs> Let's go, right? But that's but, the thing is like, yeah. you have to accept that. And with that, yes, you have to learn differently. You have to be able to know how to adapt and modify. And because these freaking services aren't out there, that's literally why I do what I do and teach the way I do because they're not there. And insurance says no.
1: I absolutely (gasps) love how you brought up learning styles because yeah, no, honestly, (laughs) what's so interesting is, you know, we, especially when, we were younger, they used to talk about like, oh, what's your learning style? And now there's proof that people don't have specific learning styles. However, we definitely retain information differently. And I think when it comes to neurodivergence, especially, Mm -hmm. um, I, I can just realize that if someone's giving me instructions, I have such a difficult time understanding it we're we're ordering like dinner and my wife is like reading me the menu and i'm like you have to hand it to me i can't i'm not going to be able to make a decision and it's not even that there needs to be a picture i need to see the words in order for it to to make sense right Mm -hmm. um and and so sure can i listen to instructions and directions and follow through with something yes but it takes so much more of my my energy to do that
2: yeah
1: and when you have to do that all day, if you're just listening to instructions, you have to figure out something to do. It's why a lot of people doodle. It's why we have, you know, fidget spinners. It's mm-hmm. trying to use our brain in other ways so that it's activated for us to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, I I've learned so many other learning modalities that I absolutely love. Um, one is uh, having the, this modality where you need to make sense of everything. I can't mm-hmm. think of the name of it right now off the top of my head, but I wish I was like, oh, I should have researched this stuff before we came <laughs> on here, but we're not talking we don't, learning we styles. Don't, we improv this. Come right? on, we'll but figure like,
0: it out later. Anyway,
1: it's, yeah, I'll probably research it while we're on. Um, So listen to the <laughs> end of the episode so that you can find out what the answer is. There's probably people listening to this, like yelling the answer at me. But anyway, it's Love it. this like global understanding of things, right? Mm -hmm. um the learning modality is I have to understand how a thing works in order to understand part of it yeah if you gave me a task to do and I don't understand its purpose Mm -hmm. how it's like a full thing like I can't process it it doesn't make sense to me right there's also this like intuitive like learning modality where it's like if I'm not sitting there thinking about it, I can make it happen, but we overthink. So that that we struggle with. And then my favorite one is like being able to teach something. Yep. I learn from teaching. Yep. If I can, when I was first started posting on TikTok, um, I was going through coaching training and was having a blast just every time I learned something, making a video about it and putting my own spin on it and own perspective. Yep. And yep. that was how I retained it. You yep. know, I wish I knew that when I was back in school yep. and be like, oh, wow, when I teach this information, I would have like bugged my parents all the time. Be like, hey, let me teach you this lesson that I learned kind of thing. Yep.
2: Um,
1: And so when I talk with parents, too, I tell them, like, there's so many different ways for people to learn. And unfortunately, the like school system and even the like workforce when you're an adult is just like, hey, this is the way we do it. And this is what you have to do with it. Right. Yep. Um, There's there's that idea of like, when I'm pacing, I can learn better, right? When I'm on the phone, I'm walking through the house. Me that's too. how I stay focused, right? Me too. And so like, there's all these different things that we do and don't realize. And, and I think that's why it's so important for people to talk with other ADHDers to mm-hmm. talk with therapists, talk with coaches, um, talk with the community, because the more you're able to be aware of the things you do, the more you're going to be like, well, wait a second, right? Like, when I need to learn something, I can try doing these couple things. So this is like the stuff in my toolbox, right? Yeah. We're like, hmm, that doesn't work, but maybe this will. And, you know, this worked for a while and now it doesn't. So now I need to like re-up what it is that I'm going to do to make my life easier. And And I think we, like, we just have this brain that just constantly wants to figure stuff out. And so if we're not feeding it, it's almost like having a like Australian shepherd, like if you don't run it every day, it's going to tear up the house. And it's like, that's it's what our so brain cute. does, right? Yeah. <laughs> like our brain is just yeah. like, oh shit, we've got to give ourselves things to figure out, or we're going to create our own things to figure out. Yep. And, and, you know, there's, there's all these problems that can arise from it, right? We talk about what's in the DSM and then you go on tiktok or instagram and you're Ew. like oh that's an adhd thing that's an adhd thing and it's yeah. it's not that those they're like secondary things right like when they say we're like oh does anybody else do this and everybody's like holy shit yep. right like yep. i one hundred percent i can't think of anything but like it ends up being that secondary symptom where uh-huh. it's like the reason all of us are doing this is because of impulsivity or it's because of emotional dysregulation.
0: Like over-explaining is an example for me exactly. that like everyone is like has to justify oh the thought God. process. Also like the verbal processors, mm-hmm. like I have not met someone with ADHD who is not a verbal processor. Like yep. I'm like, I don't need you to tell me what to do. I just need to hear myself think out loud so yeah. that I know the answer. Like
1: exactly. Exactly. It doesn't yeah. make sense in my head unless I like when I had to call the nurse to be like, hey, I'm having a heart attack wait no, I'm not
2: Never mind. I had to
1: say it out loud yeah. first but be like yeah. ma- have it make sense um it like all of these things, right like that people that don't understand it are just going to look at the symptoms. yep. Um, when I was diagnosed when I was younger, at the time it was I, I kind of look at ADHD as a disorder of a problem for other people. Now it's a disorder of a problem for everyone. Right. Which I think is fantastic because we're actually asking people what it's like to have ADHD. Mm -hmm. At the time that I was diagnosed, it was other people were upset that I wasn't doing what I was supposed to or what I was told or I should be doing a certain thing. So that was, you know, my teachers saying, man, we love Ron, but he does not shut up and like and he talks to me like the teacher would be Uh like you get me off task for like 30 minutes and we'd be talking about something and it was that understanding that like oh we need to control the symptom right Uh like we need to control the fact that he's talking too much we need to control the fact that he can't turn in his homework we need to control the fact that his backpack looks like you know a disaster and it it wasn't the reason that it was happening. It's just like putting a Band-Aid on it, right? And so I think now that everyone's talking about ADHD, we're finding underlying causes and we're kind of saying like, okay, sure, you are struggling to get out of bed in the morning from ADHD, right? We thought it was depression. It turns out it's ADHD and you're sh- all this shame from these things. That, wow, if we give you some medication and you get some help around this thing um, and we get you, and really what it is, it's the night before you're struggling to do this or you're not giving yourself enough t- like downtime the day before and so you have this revenge bedtime. and It's like we're backtracking constantly yeah, till we get to the fact that it's like, hey, your brain is pissed that you're treating it like crap and mm-hmm. it's... It's like, like you were saying, I love treating my brain and telling people to treat their brains as like a little kid version of themselves. Like what's your brain want, right? Your brain Mm -hmm. wants to go get ice cream. Your brain wants to like go have a good time. Your brain wants something to just feel good, right? Mm -hmm. Like I've made the analogy before that like you are the boss of your whole self. You're the boss of your body, the boss of your brain, boss your soul it's your job to be a good boss and as we're learning in corporate the corporate world being a strict shitty boss is not gonna get the most out of your employees no you want to be the boss that brings in donuts in the morning that makes it a fun work environment Mm -hmm. the boss that lets you play music the boss that like lets you go home early on fridays because you did really good earlier like all of that stuff and you have to start with like changing the culture around it, right? If you're yeah. someone that's like, okay, I'm going to be the new manager of this company. I go in and the previous manager was shit. How am I going to change this culture? I can't just expect them to do a certain thing mm. and then reward them. I'm going to change it right from the bat. Tell you what, everybody, we're going to go home an hour early today, right? I really appreciate you all. and I know shit stuff. So we're going to yeah. do that. Hey everyone, tomorrow I'm taking you out to lunch. Hey, let's go and do this this week, right? Like, let's throw some music on in here. Does anybody need just, like, a minute? Let's just, like, go take a walk. Whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And we don't do that for ourselves. We expect ourselves to perform at outrageous standards Yep. before we give ourselves whatever it is, Mm -hmm. right? We don't just deserve to be treated well for just being here in this world that, you know, can be really fucking hard. (laughs) And so... it's once you give yourself that you find that you're more likely to get some other things that you want accomplished, but you've got to make the culture change first. And like another thing people aren't ready for is like, sometimes when you're changing and I'm sure you have had this experience when you're changing these coping mechanisms that you've developed your whole life that are giving you stress and anxiety Mm -hmm. and you're replacing them with something else. You're you first removing them and then yeah. you're introducing new ones that are gonna take some time to develop. So yep. that means the results ain't coming. <laughs> like no. the results at first I can't have my
0: instant gratification and then I get mad. Right? Oh yeah. And oh, you're yeah. like, no, I gotta oh, go back yeah.
1: to the shame thing because that was the only thing that felt mm-hmm. safe. Mm-hmm. And yep. you know, it happens a lot with parents when they're just like, Wow, my kid's not doing well in school. And like a month later, it'd be like he failed to test. And I'm like. Yeah. Cause he's working on figuring out, he's working on figuring out how to yeah. start getting motivated. Yeah. And it's like, it is an invisible process. We are trying to uncover things that no one else sees that we don't see for ourselves.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: so sometimes we've got to find the boogeyman in the closet and put like a sheet over it to see what it looks like, Yeah. but, and have somebody help us figure it out. And it's a process.
0: It is. Um, and it's a perspective yeah. shift and totally. dysregulating. And then we have all of these like self worth triggers come up and just all of these things with. All of the, any kind of change we make in our lives, right? Like, it has to be me. If this isn't this immediate result, then there's something wrong with me or how I'm doing it. Because we are so in our brains and we're over processing all the time, overthinking. We need to see thing result, thing result, thing we result. We live in
1: a, a society that that's what it's about, True. right? Result based society. Like, but doesn't matter what you do, do as long as you get it done. True. Yeah,
0: they can make it happen faster, yeah. right? Because they can just be like, oh, right. It's a similar thing of what I think of is like. mean they i mean neurotypical but like it's it's similar to what i'm thinking of is like when we learn about habit formation and how that it's so automatic and just instinctual at some point for anyone who has a neurotypical brain it was not neurodivergent that's been going
1: around a lot lately and that blew my mind right
0: well okay so for people who have not like been this has been all over adhd tiktok and like honestly everywhere but here's the thing is like uh, neurodivergent humans have gotten together and realized that like people who have a neurotypical brain. If you just tell them to get ready for the day, they just basically have this program that goes, whoop, get ready, just and instinctively input. goes through the spot. Yeah. That's it. We have got to do this, then this, then this, then turn on the water, then get up and walk, then go to do this, and got to make sure this is matched. All the littlest tiny things. So a, a task like a ten-minute get-ready routine is like a hundred little steps. Yeah, so of course it feels overwhelming. Ready
1: exactly totally
0: and we have to make it happen every time and then people are like well why can't you brush your teeth regularly or why can't you know like why are you I'm just already sitting in bed i'm like
2: <laughs>
0: i the moment <laughs> that when i come home if i'm like i need to do chores or whatever the moment that i sit down is over yeah i have to just an object in motion stays in motion <laughs> we're, yeah. just, we're gonna do the dishes real fast like, as much as i can and then i sit down it's like it's over for the night it's done. Like if I need to make, (laughs) I do not get to relax and then get up and do something. There's no like take a break and then whatever else. And that's because there's so many other things that come into this, then this, then this, then this, where if I'm already on, just like I'm in the busy program and keep going, it's a little bit easier. It's still not easy, but it's a little bit easier, but like starting the thing when, you know, it's like, it's the same thing when like we think about if someone is so stressed and you're just telling them you have so much to do right now, you have to do this right now. And you're putting a lot of pressure on it. And it's like, I don't have the capacity. That's like our brain all the time is just filled up with this mental load of this step, then this step, then this step. And I don't even want to think about how I'm letting down my relationships. I don't even want to think about this, this shame spiral. I don't even want to think about what's going on in the world right now. And my heroes are letting me down. I can't even think about any, any of that because right in front of me right now is you got to go do the laundry. And that's a whole lot of steps. And that takes up this much space in your brain. And there's already so much in that cup because of the world around you. So figure out how to manage it. Oh, and also you struggle with self-regulation because that's actually part of the fricking disorder. So good luck.
1: When people people come to me and I ask them what it is they want to work on, a lot of times they end up telling me the thing they think they should do, which isn't what they should work on. But Mm -hmm. the answer ends up always being like, I need to develop a routine. Yeah. And I'm like, girl, listen. <laughs> it's like the routine that you're thinking of developing is great in theory, right? But yeah. like we have to start way before them because yeah. like you were saying, the energy that it requires for us to do a quote unquote easy thing is way different than someone else. Mm-hmm. And so we're looking at what society tells us is easy and required all day, every day. Yeah. And yet we're probably fantastic at puzzles or this thing or that thing, right? And we have our like specialties and creativities and things that people are amazed that we can do so well. But those things aren't requ- required every day, every morning to get ready for stuff, right? Mm-mm. And and so like a lot of things that I do with people and it's, we, we always talk about wins, right? And at first when I ask somebody what their win is, they always give me like an answer of something like amazing that everyone would agree is a win. Mm-hmm. And then I always give them a win that like only a few people are going to understand because I tried to make the, the whole point behind this is like a win is something that is hard for me to do. Yeah. That I was able to do. Yeah. I made a doctor's appointment yesterday that I was putting off for two weeks because Oh my gosh, the amount of thought that goes into it and the fear that I'm not going to know exactly what to answer when they ask me certain questions or that I'm going to have to look up my schedule and there might be some shame around it, or they might say something to me that I don't understand or whatever it is, Mm -hmm. all of that goes into it for me. And that's why I put up off making a doctor's appointment, or maybe they're going to put me on hold for 10 minutes. Holy shit. Do not put me on hold for 10 minutes. (laughs) Right. And yeah. so the anticipation that all those things might happen, make that one of the most difficult things for me to do in my life. Yeah. And so sometimes we have to sit there and like, I have people number system how hard certain tasks are for you. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter why, right? I realized a long time, I couldn't figure out why, but I hated doing the dishes, especially the the, fat, the part of putting the dishes in the dishwasher. I have no problem pulling the dishes out and putting them away, I, which is weird because I hate putting stuff away, but dishes, no problem for me. Couldn't figure out why. Yeah. My wife was the opposite. And so then we kind of realized like, oh, shit, we can like split this up because this one's less difficult for me than than this part, right? That's and nice. then I realized a while, like one day when I had to do it, oh my gosh, I hate sticking my hands in like dirty water or soapy water. Yeah. I have this like weird feeling with it. Yeah, And I'm like, oh, that's why. I had no idea why. I just realized like that was a hard task for me. Yep. And so to be able to like label each individual task that we're doing, that lets us know like, okay, this is a one. So if I don't have a ton of energy, I know that I can get these ones done. Yep. This is a two. This is a three. This one's a five. This one, like making a, a doctor's appointment, I need to like give myself a half hour of prep beforehand. And, like, reward myself with an hour of just, like, scrolling TikTok afterwards to feel better. Yep. Because that's that's an intense, difficult thing for me. Uh, yeah. And mm. when we're able to release the shame of this thing that should be easy, mm. it makes it so much better for us. Because it does. we can do hard things. Mm-hmm. We can do hard things that are hard for us. We can do things that are hard for others and easy for us. But we never sit there and celebrate it, right? I remember I always ask clients, like, what? is something that you've celebrated recently and they're like well this thing was really easy for me to do so it's not a big deal and then this thing was hard for me to do but nobody else would think it's hard so yeah. it's not a big deal and I'm like so you're saying yeah. nothing you do is worth like being proud of because mm-hmm. that's what ends up happening to us right You're yeah. like yeah of course I did this thing from i helped my friend move and then i took him to the airport and i was there for him when he needed me and he was really sad about the situation at work and i sat there and did all the. and i'm like that's incredible and they're like yeah but it's i love doing that it's easy and you're like yeah but that's a fucking awesome human being you just were and we never give ourselves credit for it Yep. and then the flip side i brush my teeth twice today but everyone should brush their teeth twice and i'm like yeah but i like have worked so hard to do that because i hate getting up once i'm in bed or it's so boring or whatever the reason is that's Mm -hmm. a hard task for me to do so i'm gonna celebrate the shit out of it i brushed my teeth twice today sure the first time was before we got on this call but like i'm gonna do it again tonight right like yeah it's just it's like take more wins and realize that like you're trying i don't know a single adhd -er that honestly thinks that they're not trying truly we're all trying so fucking hard Mm -hmm. and it's not about how hard we're trying to in our eyes a lot of times it's what the result is and you've got to figure out a way to release that it's hard because this is the world we live in but like the more you give yourself credit for the things that you're trying to do
2: Mm -hmm
1: for showing up for other people, whether it's for other people, whether it's showing up for yourself, right? Whether it's giving someone perspective, whether it's showing a bit of kindness, whether it's brushing your teeth twice a day, whatever it is, like you did it and it was hard for you or it was easy for you. And it was appreciated by someone else.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Awesome job. Yeah, I agree. And it's like, we have to be able to celebrate those wins and also The judgment and like the self judgment can be amplified from those around us. And I think especially when you get this when you're around people who don't understand, or you grew up where you were invalidated, or you grew up where you were traumatized, and there was other things going on on top of ADHD. Because there's a whole bunch in the right. community. There's so have many traumas for
1: sure. Yeah, well, and, yeah, that yeah, too.
0: You know, like complex trauma and ADHD or anxiety and depression and all of these like, comorbidities, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and people are like waking up and realizing, like, oh, this was actually really invalidating and whatever. And especially those who are late diagnosed. I'm just treated like, oh, you're lazy or whatever, or, you know, all of these things that we hold so much shame for that even giving ourselves that self compassion is such a huge feat because of all of that stuff we have against us. And recognizing too that even when we get it done, done is done it doesn't have to be perfect I'm, I'm talking to myself right now thinking of all the things that I'm like oh I could be doing this and, zh, 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 zh. and I'm just like wow if only I had me in my ear all the time verbal processing you know <laughs> giving myself a pep talk right here no, I'm great I'm at really telling right other people
1: like <laughs> good advice i just taking myself as hard but I, it's that is so hard working
0: on it right? is like, yeah. but we also like sometimes if you can't do it instead of just giving up maybe it's I need help I need a different way to approach this. I need a different strategy. I need to understand why executive functioning in the brain works that way. We can hyper-focus on things. Why not hyper-focus on understanding the brain? (laughs) You know, like why not hyper-focus on understanding why certain things work the way they do and then go to someone who needs like to get help, like come to me or come to Ron or whatever, like applies to you, look for supports out there. And even if you're like, oh, I don't have the resources or time or that feels overwhelming right now start looking at ADHD, TikTok. People are sharing things they're doing all the time. Like give yourself permission to do something differently. And if it's not working, it doesn't mean that it's you. It means that you need to change the approach somewhere, Mm -hmm. either the priority or how you do it done is done. And sometimes like you said, we just have to take those wins but the small wins are the big wins. And when we invalidate ourselves, we're not going to find that. And then we're never going to feel like we're getting any progress. And I feel like that's with any kind of mental health disorder, trauma, anything. When your brain works differently, it's really hard to give yourself credit when everyone else thinks that you should be able to do such and such and such. You are the only one who knows your internal experience, period. So this you is, have to be your biggest cheerleader. Everyone's
1: experience is right between you know their ears. That's it like that is what you have i i remember talking to my therapist once about um talk about somebody that hyper focuses on something but i watched a video where people someone was it was kind of incorrect which is why it sent me down a rabbit hole right but they were just saying like you based in truth that you should not rely on external Mm validation and if what they said that kind of was like if you are someone that loves external validation, you need to change that. And I was like, I love external validation. Oh, no. And so I went down this like research rabbit hole, right? Mm-hmm. And I talked to my therapist and I was like, Is it bad that I really like external validation? He goes, No what (laughs) he's like you're looking for
0: dopamine like what
1: we're humans right like Uh. we oh we work like we build community we love validation from other people it's not wrong to it is just that when we are just looking for it Mm -hmm. and if you look at it in terms of like a a box that you fill up right and the more validation points you get the better off you are and maybe external validation just One like almost fills the box, right? Yeah. And getting it from yourself is less. It's about Mm -hmm. like a quarter of it. Mm -hmm. Right. Or maybe even a tenth of it. That means that ten more times you have to validate yourself to equal that. And especially at first, this is gonna sound cheesy, right? But like it sucks. Like validating yourself sucks. We my wife and I, when we're really down, we'll do a victory dance for no reason to just like trick ourselves into thinking that we should be celebrating something because it feels good to celebrate shit. Right. Have you ever celebrated something and not been happy about it? No, you love that. And, Mm -hmm. and so do it for no reason. You don't have to have a reason at first. You're going to think it's weird. You know, my wife will like, if I'm down, she'll be like, do you want to do like, do you want to do a victory dance? It's like, no, I don't. And then she's like, Alexa, play whatever. (laughs) Right. she'll be like, play Katy Perry. Like, you know some like really intense like you know anthem so to speak and i'm just like this is so dumb this is so dumb and then she starts dancing and then i just kind of (laughs) like move a little bit and like sure and by the end of it we're laughing and having a good time and it feels better right yep and it it sounds cheesy and like when we start off wins sometimes people are like okay, well, I made a doctor's appointment, but it took me two months to do it. Or like, there's always this negative with it. Mm-hmm. And we've got to get better at just being like, I made a doctor's appointment, whatever, right? <laughs> Did and, that. and so yeah. like, it is it is a bit of like the fake it till you make it thing. But the idea behind it is, is that we're not good at validating ourselves usually. Mm-mm. It takes practice yeah, and you does. have to start somewhere. And so mm-hmm. even if that is just like having a victory dance in the morning, or looking for something at the end of the day to be proud of mm-hmm. um, as little as it is, whatever it is, like finding a thing, um, you get better at it and you start to realize that that box that you needed filled now doesn't need to be filled as much because you're already filling it yourself. Yep. And, and yeah, it's, it's not perfect. And I sit here saying like, sometimes I forget about it, forget about the box and i'm looking for external validation or yep. i'm sitting there having some really shitty negative self-talk but um when you work at it it's a lot easier to fill mm-hmm. and do when the box is filled like things are better like I, I don't know you know if anybody's like i want to better my life like then you gotta fill the box
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's hard at first but like yeah
0: i always say that the way that I turned, it's like, I used to hate myself. I didn't even know who I was. I felt like I was a shell of a human being. It was like an empty shell that just keeps getting passed along the waves. And it's like, oh, it shows up. It does what it's supposed to do, but it rolls back in the ocean. Like it has no control. Right. And it, it really took me like devoting to I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired and hating myself. And I'm going to show up as if I love myself before I do and eventually it got to this point of okay so i would do all this stuff for other people what would i do for myself how would i talk to how would i talk to someone i love if this happened how would i whatever right and so it it became like a consistent thing also like all these like cognitive redirection things and like kind of what you were talking about earlier when you had like the the wrist snapping right yeah i was always the one i did like the cognitive redirection strategy of like no taylor whenever i had this like negative self-talk the amount of times that I would call myself an idiot or crazy or whatever like also I had this narrative because like I was raised by a narcissist so like I was like very psychologically abused so it was a little bit more intense for me to like work through that and sometimes it's still there but 10 plus years of healing and all this stuff but anyways so it's just sitting there and like every single time a tiny thing would pop up like I'm an idiot I should have done this better or whatever I would literally be like no Taylor you are a human who is healing and you are imperfect and you are learning. Next, like I would always like stop myself and I would usually do like a stop sign, like I would like push out some kind of motion that would like give my brain the indicator, like, nope, we're redoing this. Some people say things like cancel or delete or whatever, but I would just be like, no, and then just say the opposite in whatever it is. Cause like eventually, that alone is not going to change things but like that with action and working through things and figuring out where the triggers come from or whatever it is like that's a really good start so once you recognize what's happening it's like how am i going to force myself into recognizing what's happening and then redirect and then try and give myself some compassion or whatever but it was consistently six months every single time that i was shaming myself that it was like no you're a human who's imperfect moving on what's next no you're a badass no you're not a failure you've succeeded in all these ways next like and it's not even like i wouldn't let myself ruminate on it because if i would then i'd try and pick apart how that was wrong it was like no moving on no moving on it's like a teacher's trying to rush you in class kind of thing i was like "Mm -mm, keep going but then i would do deeper stuff obviously but
1: it's important do to it? do that because it's a boulder rolling downhill so just re- you have to redirect the boulder when it's doing that you can't stop it and Maybe. heal it right there right no. Gosh, when you're no. ruminating it's not about you want to answer a question that's unanswerable usually right like why am i a piece of shit <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> like or whatever it is and it's like you're you're not asking the right question yeah and and so instead we're going to, and I've joked about, about this, but I was like, use your distractibility, right? Like use your ADHD distract and distract yep. yourself
2: yep. and be Truly. like, Hey,
1: we're going to go, we're going to come back to this. Yeah. I've even made promises with myself where I'm like, okay, we're going to put a pin in this. And I'm not forgetting about it. I'm not saying you're wrong. Right. But like, we'll come back in 10 minutes. Let's go off the dog yep. and I'll come back. And it's like, yeah, I don't know why I was in that headspace before. And that's really what it is and then you work on it sure but like in those moments you can't work on yourself you have mm-hmm. to defi- you have to move it aside um i yeah. this this was making me think of um something that I, I really have been trying to get across to parents and i think it's so kind of like you were saying before i think it's important for everyone because we end up growing up as adhd years having a self parent anyway yeah um but yeah. for parents understanding that when You have a child, there's, society I think has kind of taught us as parents to mold them into what is expected. Mm. So if you see undesirable traits, you either shame them, you, even like trying to like redirect them or ignore them or push them down or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And those aren't things that then go away. Those are parts of you. That just get hidden and they become like the deep dark of us, which is why we grow up hating ourselves because Mm -hmm. that deep darkness that we were told is not what's acceptable was not worked on and like, like learned how to cope in the world. It was just told it can't be here. So we hide it. And then we grow up Mm -hmm. and it's still a part of us. And we then hate that version of ourselves. We hate that part of us. Mm-hmm. And so often I tell parents that like children are raw traits, just a shit ton of raw traits that none of it makes sense in the world. Right. Yeah. Um. I always give people this like character assessment that tells you like your 24 character like strengths. And a lot of times with kids, I'll point out like, let's say their character strength, this raw strength is humor. Mm-hmm. They're just, they're witty. They get it. They understand humor, right, from, like, a super young age. They're not going to be this, like, six-year-old with, like, amazing, impeccable, you know, comedic timing, able to read a room, understand when to use humor and when not to. It's just this raw ability to just, like, pick their spots, right? Yep. And I like to use the analogy of, like, a scorpion because growing up in Arizona, they always told you to, like be really careful of the baby scorpions because they don't know how to control their venom.
2: Yeah.
1: They just like unload the whole thing and that's it. And -hmm. then they learn as they get older and they learn from using their venom and realizing that they don't have any more and they have to produce more, that Mm -hmm. they need to control it better. But they're not told from their parents scorpion to control it better they're not like shamed into controlling it better they learn from using it from experiencing it we learn from doing as humans and so often a kid will do something unacceptable right like say this kid with this trait of humor is tells a joke at a funeral or something that is just not right or Mm -hmm. they pick the wrong spot or they say something that's offensive to somebody and don't realize it So often the immediate reaction is like, don't do that. And what that ends up doing is taking that entire trait and telling it you're not welcome here. Mm -hmm. And that happens to us in so many different ways. I've seen kids that their trait was kindness, Mm -hmm. but they were like taken advantage of. And so they were kind of taught, don't use this trait anymore. And they grow up hiding that bit of them and actually being ashamed for being kind. Right. Yeah being ashamed for having humor, being ashamed. Like I've had people that take this character strength test and they go, yeah, that's a bad trait to have. And I go, none of these are bad traits, none Mm -hmm. of
2: them, Mm -hmm. but
1: we've learned to hate some of them because we're like, Yeah. yeah, humor is my number one strength, but like, what good is that? Right? Like that just means that I don't take things seriously. And I'm like, no, that's, one of because the trait isn't inherently good or bad that is just something that's happened to you that you've now associated with it and so as kids we're like molded Mm
2: -hmm. by
1: being told certain things that are us are not okay Mm -hmm. and it's not that they're not okay it's just that they were underdeveloped and unnurtured things that happened with us that we needed to understand yep and we grow up hating that part of ourselves and so we as adults have to reparent by reintroducing that part and teaching ourselves that it's okay and -hmm. it's going to be messy like it would have been if we did it when we were a kid that's what you're supposed to learn things by doing messy Mm -hmm. and we have to do it as adults and we have to be okay with it like Mm -hmm. going through all this process is messy it's not going to be perfect and we can't expect everything to come out looking perfect but we do And, and so like, where do you start? Right. Do you start by making it okay to just fuck things up? Or do you start with like teaching yourself to give yourself grace? Do you start with, you know, being okay with being imperfect? Um, It's, it's figuring out where your step one is. Step one isn't always, I have to figure out how to motivate myself or Mm -hmm. I've got to learn how to get my work in on time. Step one might be like, I need to be okay with fucking up. Yeah. A lot of us are not okay with
0: that. Yeah. And, you know, also if you're like, where is that step one is like being okay with not being okay is a huge part of it. Sure. Yeah. But also like when we start using strategies, one of my favorite things about occupational therapy that they teach you is like, figure out who the person is figure out their values and their habits and their routines and what's really meaningful. And there's so much research that shows that if something is really meaningful to someone, they're going to invest that much more into it. And they're going to be able to access the ability to start making progress or start putting effort in or whatever, like not giving up as much. Because here's the thing, if something is so meaningful to you, you're going to make it happen even if there are the roadblocks and the obstacles and the, whatever it is. Right. And so, but it's also recognizing that you're going to have to be able to shift how you do it and figuring out your strengths and using your strengths to support your areas of improvement Mm -hmm. in order to figure life out. Right. And that's why self-development is a thing. That's why it's such a huge thing in this world is just like, we have to be able to recognize that like every single human has this own unique, wonderful qualities to them and no one else can be them. But Mm -hmm. like you said, there's so much masking and in the neurodivergent communities, especially, it's like, we're finally talking about unmasking and what that means. Right. And I can tell you, I have worked with neurodivergent kids. I have done for like an hour at a time. I've done nannying for a few hours at a time. It's exhausting. It really is. It does take a lot of capacity. It does take self-regulation and self-awareness and the patience and all of those things and the adult side of things. So like I get it. Sometimes it's just like it's not possible and they don't have the tools or don't have the skills. There is no blame in it. But just recognizing that if you have to go back and start building that capacity, you really, really have to just look inward and build those things within you. Give yourself that grace and then say, hey, this is the path we're going to attempt to take using this part of you. And instead of trying to push this down or shame them if it in society's mold, we're raising this new generation of kids with gentle parenting and saying, you're allowed to be exactly who you are and recognizing that every single person is unique and has these beautiful, wonderful gifts to bring to the world everyone no one else can be that person and so it is not our job anymore to extinguish their individuality instead embrace it and i would say as a collective shift we're doing that but a lot of us now the adults are realizing that and we're having to redo that for ourselves right like and that's literally like that's what i teach people come back to yourself it's not it's not about the healing tools it's not about i'm going to give you a step by -step, step by step guidebook anyone who does anything like that just wants your money You're going to do this, then this, then this, then this, then this. I am the only one who can teach you how to do this. And this is the absolute best method. I
1: can't tell you shit. You're the one
0: that knows how to do it.
2: Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. I
0: am here with some, I am like, I have some tools. I have some skills I can teach you. I love how you talk. Same thing. I'm the toolbox person too. I'm like, I'll give you some tools. But if you don't know what tools to choose, if you don't listen to yourself, if you don't let yourself drive the the conversation or anything in your own journey, I am useless. It is you. You are the one who intuitively knows what your body needs. Even when you were talking about earlier with, you know, sensory stuff, like you're like, I have to move in order to get my brain to work or refocus or when I'm on the phone or whatever, your body knows that.
1: Yeah. You weren't no if you were helping me, you, you weren't gonna be able to be like Ron, you should try doing that. No. Like I had to figure that out. And yeah. and so often people will ask, they're like, I think this is a big thing with millennials too. So I, I, I'm not sure, but what <laughs> what's that?
0: I said sorry. No, I'm just kidding. I was just apologizing for millennials. No, I, we love it. <laughs> but, no,
1: well, I'm I mean, I'm an elder millennial, so but I look at it as my biggest step one, like going back to step one thing was like, I had to give myself permission. Mm-hmm. I wonder if we were just taught how to follow instructions and fall in line and like ask for permission to do things. Yeah, And then one day we didn't have to ask anymore and we were just like, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> <How> No, well- <laughs> someone has to give, someone has to say it's okay for me to do this.
2: Yeah, so true.
1: and And so I think especially with, this thing of like when I have clients that are just they're waiting for me to tell them what to do Mm -hmm. and I'm like dude I'm not I I can't tell you what to do like based on what you've told me and you know I'm not going to sit there and just like sit in silence so I say kind of thing like do you want me to give you like a suggestion maybe and I was like okay so something I do is this and what is great about ADHD is we have associative thinking so it can spark some ideas, which yeah. is awesome, right? Where yeah. they're like, Well, that won't work for me. But like, I don't know. I guess I could try that. I'd be like, okay, will that work for you? And they're like, Yeah, I'm just worried that this might happen. You're like, okay, so how can we make sure that doesn't happen? And that's what we're we're trying to figure out, right? Yep. We're trying to give people permission yep. to just like, well, what if it doesn't work? Then you find out it doesn't work. Like you try something else, right? And mm-hmm. it's so hard for us because again, it comes to that failure thing that's like. Yep. Well, if something doesn't work, that feels bad. Like, I don't enjoy that. So and bad. that's a deterrent, right? And it's like, that's what sucks. If anything, when we talk about gentle parenting, it is it is really about encouraging trial. It's encouraging, making, empowering people to make decisions. Yeah. Like, we're not empowered as ADHDers because a lot of times people would see us doing things in a weird way to them. You know mm-hmm. our neurodivergent way, and they're like, "You're doing it wrong. That's not going to work." And it's like that's why we end up being innovators, right? Because we find unique ways to do things. Mm-hmm. But we're a lot of times afraid to try unique ways because we've been told they're wrong. Um Yep. yep. Anyway, I could talk about this forever. I wanted to um to bring up one thing we were talking about yesterday, mm-hmm. and um I was thinking about it a lot today, and talking about. The difference between when just how I've seen, especially my age, but men my age, and how they struggle with one asking for help, yeah, and then two their emotions, right? We had said something earlier how like you can't logically think when you are emotional, like it's like the upstairs downstairs thing, yeah, yep. and the um, I guess you could say the toss the toxic you know, masculinity that was, you know, embedded into me at a young age went like, wow, there's going to be people that say, that's why women suck. Like I literally heard that in my head. Right. (laughs) And I was just like,
0: it's there. What's
1: so interesting is like the thing that I've learned and the thing that I try to talk to a lot of men about, especially ones that are having difficulty in their relationships Mm -hmm. is that kind of like we were saying about traits, when you aren't showing emotions on the outside, that doesn't mean you're not having them. Like yeah. men have so many emotions and yeah. the only thing we think are allowed on the outside, because society told it's changing, but society does kind of tell us like you're allowed to be angry.
2: yeah. Right.
1: Um, You're allowed to show like that type of passion, but you can't show sadness. You can't cry. Yeah. Yeah. You can't show weakness kind of thing. Yeah. And that in fact just stacks emotion. Mm-hmm. So talk about having difficulty thinking. Yeah. When little things are causing these emotional outbursts inside of us, whether you don't see them on the outside, right? Whether it's that yep. like duck on a pond where like yep. the legs are going nuts underneath, like we struggle to make decisions because of those emotions. So if you're out if you're a dude out there going like, well I'm not super emotional, um If you have ADHD, there's a very good chance. It's not in the DSM yet, but we're pretty sure it's all about emotions. You're probably pretty emotional and you're just pushing that shit down. And that is just, that's worse because it needs somewhere to go. So you are just collecting it. Like Mm -hmm. we were talking about the box earlier. You're just putting more emotions in that box and it is filled to the brim and you're taping it to the sides and shit. And that is not great. So... um what usually with men when we talk about step one it really has to do with like unpacking what emotions mean to them because even Mm -hmm. myself I I I was very lucky that I was always allowed and I say always but like still being a man in this world was I wasn't always allowed but yeah for the most part I found myself in spaces where it was okay and -hmm. acceptable to be emotional and to talk about feelings so I'm very lucky for that but, um, that ends up needing to be the thing. Um, so a lot of men do need to just like, they need to go to therapy to heal that heal that part of themselves before they can like really? take any steps forward because that is what, you know, happens in those moments when emotions are high, um you can't make the decision that you want to. You don't have agency over your decisions anymore. Nope. and and that is the problem that we see with, communication with other people um mm-hmm. it when when your emotions are high you think you're communicating really well um but usually you are talking at people right you're not communication is two-sided and you are not taking anything in um and that's another thing that we've never really been taught as dudes to to understand and
0: um, you're interpreting any kind of communication at you where your internal response is elevated as like an attack yeah or everything's like heightened blame yeah. or whatever, you know right. like even if that's not what someone is saying in a tone or whatever it's just like you go into the defense mode whether sure. you you fire back at it or you internalize it there is this defense that pops up when you can't internalize yeah. and like what's happening.
1: this idea that like people mm-hmm. that are emotional are the ones that show it is not it's just like scrap that idea. If anybody out there has it, there's like, that's just not what it is. Like, yeah. you can't see whether someone's emotional or not. Mm-mm. We say it, right. We will say like, oh, that person's emotional because they're showing their emotions, but like showing your emotions is putting your emotions somewhere that's not inside. So it's yeah. great actually. Um, yeah. and, but yeah, that, that communication thing is so tough. One, um, something that my wife and, and I have had to do is like when one of us, cause we both have ADHD, so struggle with that. We've, we have this, like, saying that I think, you know, talk about, like, having our, like, little totem, so to speak. But, like, mm-hmm. we just say, like, same team.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, because so often, like you said, you get defensive and it feels like a battle. Yeah. It feels like, you know, you have to win. Yeah. And when you realize that, like, both people want ultimately the same thing, which is to be happy in their relationship together, right? Mm-hmm. Whatever that means. To have a good life together, Um, if, which I hope, if you're in a relationship with somebody, that's what you want. Um, You say, like, same team, we want that. Sure, there's other things. We have disagreements. We have different perspectives. We may disagree on how things should be. But, like, if we ultimately want that, like, if we start there and work backwards, great. Emotions can get in the way. So, be like, same team. And we've done that thing where, kind of similar when you're ruminating with yourself my wife and I do it. it's it's called like fighting fair but it's like okay we're emotional right now we're going to be fighting amongst each other it's like yeah. if you ever watch sports and you see teammates fighting amongst each other ain't great not good for team chemistry Yeah. Um. you separate them and you let the emotions go down so we'll like hey I need a second I need either five minutes I need 10 minutes I need an hour I'm going to go take the dog for a walk I'm going to go watch TV by myself whatever it is mm-hmm. and then work on de-escalating that shit Um, and, and I, I hate how a lot of, um, my species, um, really struggles with that. And, uh, I, but I feel it, I get it right. Like even as someone that's been allowed to be that emotional person, there's still this expectation. And so I totally understand. Um, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of, uh, programs out there and groups for men to at least feel like they have a space where they can talk about shit. And I think if, if you're a guy out there listening, or if you know a guy out there that, that wants that, or that needs that, like find ways to encourage that. Um, Because we really need spaces where we don't feel judged, where we can just like talk about shit and Mm -hmm. not enough, enough of us think it's okay to reach out for help. So one of the best things I ever did was go to therapy. It changed my life. And, you know, I, I think I was always worried that they were going to make me feel bad about myself or that therapy was going to, I don't know, change me in a way I didn't want to. Yeah. And if anything, it just let me like, it really let me be myself. And truly, man, ugh, I just look back on the last like three years and three and a half years. And just, I'm so thankful that that was able to happen because holy shit.
0: <laughs> yeah and you, really you know, struggle. usually it takes people like i can just think of the many stories I'm i'm fairly certain that like every single man that we've had on this podcast has echoed something similar it's like therapy has changed everything i didn't realize how much i was struggling until this i didn't you know and it's like there's this this point where unless something is physically in your face and you know a lot of people are talking about like Even stories like you were talking about, like panic attacks, you thought you were dying for
1: sure. Yeah, there was a
0: whole, you know, like we had another guest, Darius from Beyond Anxiety, who literally was in the hospital with severe anxiety attacks consistently and thought something was so medically wrong, and then later was diagnosed with anxiety. Just Mm -hmm. to start getting help with something that he's had his entire life. Because it's just been like, oh well, whatever. Until it gets physically in your face, you're like, well, I can just ignore it. And you know, it's like,
1: it turns physical for sure. My back—I was having back to. problems. I was like, everything's wrong with me physically. Mm-hmm. And then somebody once told me, um, a friend of mine was like, listen, man, I was always told, if you're not feeling good physically, work on your brain. If you're not feeling good mentally, work on your physicalness whatever he said no, mm-hmm. I said physicalness but like work on your your body right yep, yep. and and so it's like if you're if you're up in your head and mentally not feeling well you know start yep. doing start working out start doing some physical things to get into your body and then if yeah. your body feels like shit start working on your mind
0: yeah um, it's that brain body connection and yep. I, i'm so passionate I mean, i've literally been talking about this all week it's like i'm so freaking passionate about that because yeah. like well, what happens is we miss one or the other and then it's like they're so mental health is physical health we have research out there y'all like it it does not stress is literally stored in your body trauma is in your body your emotions you know when you're stressed your shoulders are are raised or your you know your jaw is clenched that's just what you notice think of like what's happening with like your appetite and thinking clearly and it's just add on like all of these like mental health issues that have been like like adding up and adding up i don't know have you seen heroes like old school no nbc show Uh i would say spoiler alert but it's been like 15 years you're like you need
1: to watch you 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 should have have seen it by now i don't care (laughs) um
0: so at the end of season so the whole premise of like this movie heroes is that everyone like there's this big boom right ever it's not a movie it's a tv show sorry but it's like there's this big something and there's just a bunch of people who just get these superpowers right like it's similar to like a lot of superhero shows. But the thing that was really interesting is there's one person whose power was absorbing everyone else's powers. And then like, if they even came into contact with it, they always had that power. Oh. So at the beginning of season one, there's someone who sees the future and they see the sonic boom and they're trying to stop it, and they're trying to stop it, and like, what can we do? There's somebody who's gonna destroy the world. And what, you know, it's like, we gotta save the world turns out the boom is actually from the person who had the superpowers of absorbing everyone else's. They had so much going on that they completely short circuited until they were like, and they caused the end of the world.
2: Wow! So,
0: But I love that analogy because it's just like, what's going on? What's it's literally, we are just absorbing and absorbing and absorbing without looking at at having control without anything. And so eventually, whether it takes, it's a long, like lifetimes of, or it's just like a little tiny thing. And it's just like building up over, like, you know, you're in a stressful period. And so you're literally going to cry over spilled milk, right? Like the tiniest thing doesn't matter if you've been pushing things down forever, the whole mindset shift thing bothers me so much because it's not always just that simple. If your nervous system, if your stress cup is still so filled, you can't just be like, it's fine. Fixed it. Like, no, you have to actually look at the stuff in there. And, And yes, there are cognitive shifts and things that can support that. But if you are not looking at how you manage stress, if you are not looking at your nervous system, like one of the things that you were talking about earlier is that when people aren't showing emotion, that it doesn't mean there's not emotion. When you literally understand how the nervous system works and you get to the most primitive state of nervous system shut down, which is you're completely overloaded because you can't access what you need or want to do. There's like, you're in fight or flight mode, which you're gonna be emotional, right? You're gonna be able to like quickly show up, be present. It's gonna be more intense, but it's gonna be reactive. But then if you can't access that, you're in a step down and you're in like a freeze or an overload state that you're either either the like chronic people pleaser. Who's always saying yes. And just making myself the chameleon. And I'm not the problem. If I can't escape what's happening, if I can't actually address it, then I'm going to be there. Or you're just going to be in freeze and you're going to be numbed out and you are going to be like paralyzed and not be able to do anything that is instinctual in how your nervous system operates. So if you find yourself just going from something is really stressful to numbing out, that's even more of an indicator that there's a challenge. And mm-hmm. I wish more people understood that because it's like, literally, that's what your body is telling you, but you're like, oh no, no, whatever. I'm not going to look at it. And we're taught to disconnect from our body as a society, right? Like again, yeah. and I'm sure men even more so.
1: Because so, we don't want to make, it's, it's, it's like, don't make your emotions my problem. No, like, that's what we're taught, right? Like parents <laughs> don't want, they're like, you know, one of my favorites is seeing parents that allow their kids when they're having meltdowns. Um, mm-hmm to to experience it and to help teach them regulating techniques because the objective is not to not get upset right to not be emotional the objective is to get better at regulating it quicker yep and being good at like okay i'm feeling dysregulated i'm a mo. like things are tough right now i have these tools in my toolbox right and this is how I bring it to a manageable level.
2: Yeah.
1: And at first, as a kid, if you learn these strategies, you're not going to be great at it. But I mean, honestly, most kids I see are better than the adults that I know at this because adults were never taught it. So like
0: they've been taught this since they were young now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah and yeah.
1: so like they're yeah. starting it and, and like you can learn pretty quickly how to regulate emotions. and. Mm-hmm. Sure. For an ADHD or someone that's neurodivergent, it's going to be more difficult because the emotions are more intense and we're not great at reading the signs beforehand. All those things are true. Yep. Um, But it doesn't mean that you can't get it to a more manageable area. My My thing is like improvement is not completely erasing the issue. Improvement is making it less difficult and less frequent. Right. Yeah. Like my goal is to not always make sure I do things perfectly. But like, my goal is, okay, last month, I was someone that really struggled to, you know, regulate my emotions when I got upset. And it happened like two or three times a month or, or two or three times a week. Or when I got upset, it took me an hour to calm down from it. Well, this month, my goal is, I'm gonna calm down from it within 30 to 40 minutes. And maybe Mm -hmm. instead of two to three times, it's gonna be one to two times a week. And understanding that like you're you're never going to stop right even as a parent the the goal is not to be the perfect parent you're gonna fuck up there's gonna be times you lose your cool you don't do the right thing you invalidate your kids we're human It's gonna happen right it's it's understanding that there's there's a process here you want to make it less frequent less intense Mm -hmm. and you want to work on on the repair of it afterwards you want to be okay with like If I'm someone that is struggling with regulating my emotions with my wife, right, and I get angry and maybe I yell, what I want to work on is it not being as intense, not happening as often, and being a shorter-lived period. But then also, I want to get better at afterwards going and discussing it and being like, hey, I'm really sorry that happened. I'm going to continue to work on it. And then show how you're working on it, right? Yep. I, I would never say, and, and I think we do this so often, I'll never do that again. Because I know I struggle with certain things, right? Yeah. So like, if I forget to, to do something, I'm never going to say I'll never do that again, because lo and behold, I know I forget shit. Yeah. But I'm going to be like, hey, I know that was important to you. This is what I'm going to do to hopefully help the fact that I forget things. Yeah. Um, And I, I'll forget them less frequently and so if you're someone that struggles with emotional regulation and you know has anger issues it's like hey i'm taking these steps to to get better at it um i i can't promise that it won't happen again but i'm going to really try to to be aware of it and like this is what's happening with me
2: yeah. right
1: i see Rhett, like things get so like explain and and talk about it right? because being vulnerable is not something we were ever taught to do either as men and it's mm-hmm. like When I started getting vulnerable with that shit, oh my god, like, I tell guys all the time, like, guys, that's how, like, things get better. Like, don't you, like, want to be understood? Like, Mm -hmm. I always hate being misunderstood. So, like, if I'm someone that really struggles with doing chores and housework, I sat down and explained why. Like, this is what I'm really struggling with. It's not that I don't want, like, I want to do my Part right, like I want to help. I'm not just someone that's like, Haha, I'm not going to do it. Yeah, and and so sure, it wasn't like the next week I was like perfect at it. I'm still far from it, <laughs> but man, have I made strides? And that's the goal, yeah. right? Like, if I'm, I'm sure, there's women out there they are like, holy shit, if my partner or or man, my partner out there made strides in the thing that they struggle with, or even baby steps, yep. like. That would be fucking awesome. (laughs) Like, that's the goal, right? And, yep. Baby steps aren't hard. You don't, it's not like you go to a gym for the first time in forever and the trainer just tells you, all right, start benching 250. Like, no, they find out what your physical ability is right now. Yeah. Meet yourself where you're at, meet your kids where you're at, meet people where they're at. Okay. This is what you're doing right now. Yeah. Cool. We're going to slowly increment you to where you want to be. Mm -hmm. and we never stop to do that shit we're always looking for like oh well i've got to stop altogether how are you gonna stop getting angry or having anger issues or forgetting things just because you decide to that's Mm -hmm. not how it works you've been doing it your whole life
0: no Um, and there's two things with that the first one is that as a woman i would say that like if the the most desirable traits that I look for in a man like I'm straight sis is to be vulnerable as like even the tiniest bit of vulnerability and just like honesty even within themselves and accountability and recognizing that hey I'm imperfect this happened that's that's all I'm asking for like just the tiniest little thing because like it's when you want to avoid and your program for this defense and whatever it makes it that much harder to come together as a team right you get and i understand that that's that program but like just the tiniest vulnerability like the thing that's just so ironic to me is that like men run from that so much and i would say that most women i know that is the thing that we value the most in a man if you can be that vulnerable being
1: I want to add to this for wow. for the fact that like this there's there's two sides to this. One, speaking to people that are attracted to men, mm-hmm. you don't have to put up with the shit. No. Okay. So no. like, you don't have to.
0: Nope.
1: So that's that's half of it. What do you Not think?
0: I'm very half. single right now. Right. Very well, I would
1: say now talking to the men <laughs> that are struggling with it, right? Yeah. I feel you though. Like, mm-hmm. I get it. It is not easy. It's not just here to bash and be like, you need no. to change. Fuck you. What no. I'm saying is, is like, okay, if, if me's telling you, or, you know, Taylor saying like, Hey, be vulnerable or anybody telling you, we want you to be vulnerable and, and hold yourself accountable. And mm-hmm. you're like, yeah, in theory, that's good, but it's hard for me to do mm-hmm. going back. The people that are attracted to them, great. You don't have to worry about it. It's not your job to fix them. But going yep. to you, the man that's struggling with it, like, cool. Mm-hmm. Then your step one is not to just say, cool, I'm not, I'm just going to be vulnerable and hold myself accountable. Your step one might be figuring out why, like, figuring out why it's hard for you. And that yeah. is totally okay because I know plenty of dudes that have gotten past that too. Yeah. And maybe it is because. It was ingrained in you that that is a weakness, or that is not yeah. masculine, or that's not what men do. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know, right? Like, there's if there's could be a million different reasons, and it's it can be uncomfortable and it can feel like the wrong thing to do, and you may stray away from it. And so, things I tell people is like we're it's okay to do uncomfortable things, it's okay to do it things is. scared, it's okay to try new shit um and, and it's not okay to fix ask for it help. right away it's okay to ask for help so you yeah. know it you may not be ready for that relationship but it's it might be time to work on you you know yeah. if anybody's seen the barbie movie like <laughs> you are enough <laughs> like and go work on yourself and really it, Truly. it doesn't mean like it's gonna take you forever right like i know how mm-hmm. that's like well i want to you know dude go Look, go look up a therapist, right? Mm-hmm. Like go go find someone to talk to. Um yeah. and uh start somewhere. That's all. Like just start truly, somewhere.
0: Truly. And recognizing too that like men are programmed to be fixers. Give me a job. For sure. I do it, it's done. Action oh, result. <laughs> Action result, right? And so and it is harder because it's like emotions are nuanced it's not just going to be a fix it. It's not just going to be, I I would get in so many arguments and relationships that my long-term partner for that I've known like my entire life. And then we jumped into a romantic relationship and it was just very different dynamic and really hard. And they're just like, tell me what to do to fix it. And I'm like, there is no fixing it. It's not, I'm, you can't just just fix you. I can't give, I still have trouble with that too,
1: but yes like I
0: can't I'm like I love you I'm here to support you these are the tiny little things and like and also recognizing especially when you realize in like romantic relationships and you're like wow it's it's very easy to externalize or project and I'm talking to anyone regardless of gender that when something in you internally comes up that's a big emotion or like a trigger or something you haven't experienced in other areas of your life recognizing that we want to say it's because of our partner but really there may be some truth to that maybe right they may be triggering we don't know the relationship
1: right there might we don't know where it's just like you're actually dating a narcissist truly you're totally right so no no idea truly
0: (laughs) and also recognizing that our deepest wounds come out in our most intimate safe relationships and when we talk about romantic relationships we're often replaying our childhood wounds that we didn't realize and that's why especially when i'm talking to like trauma survivors like complex trauma where you you didn't get your emotional needs met and you're like oh that's not trauma whatever and then you start acting and you recognize like there's like attachment theory and oh my gosh like the one you know there's like avoidant and anxious and and there's so Mm -hmm. much to that it's a whole other conversation
2: sure
0: but like recognizing that your reaction or your response may not be just because of them or their behavior. And I'm not discounting anything that is unsafe that you're like, I can't tolerate this. It's right. very different. I'm talking about two human beings who genuinely want to be together, want to be on the same team, want to, and both are working actively and are struggling. It's just honestly, maybe look to your child and that's hard that's real hard. I know it's hard. Thanks but mom. Like, sorry. And it's, it's not even, that's the thing is like when immediately that defense comes up to people who are like, well, oh, my parents were good. My parents were whatever. And it's like, okay, yeah. valid. You could have great parents. Totally. Maybe you weren't raised like a narcissist. Like, like I was okay. Totally. Like maybe that was yeah. not the case. Even so your child brain processes things differently you didn't have all these higher level reasoning to understand and process emotions you didn't have your own self-regulation skills and maybe you still struggle with that but like we had to learn all of these things from adults and the generation that a lot of us who are listening right now who were raised from was just like the adults that were saying suck it up get over it and that's it's not being mean that's just the generation so when we're talking to all millennials, Gen Z stepping into that and recognizing like, I struggle with emotions in this way, or I am a perfectionist, or they put, you know, like I immediately get defensive or I shut down if I'm not perfect, or my partner is doing this or, or whatever it may be. It's recognizing that like the way that the generations were set up for us, unless our parents were incredibly emotionally intelligent, which some had wonderful parents, we had to rely on co-regulation. And emotional needs, your social emotional needs, and you having a hard time and having big emotions and someone sitting with you and, and showing you how to support and calm down and saying, it's okay to feel this way. It's okay to do whatever. And that is a core need that a lot of us didn't meet. And so now it is showing up in our adult relationships and especially comes up in these intimate relationships. So just recognize that like, yes, there are people who even I would say, even people who are narcissists. Okay. There may be a reason that they have developed that response and it has gone into a personality disorder. We can recognize that and have awareness for that and even have compassion for that. And like, honestly, looking at my parents, I can be like, I see why you are the way you are. And still, I don't have to tolerate that. Yeah, I don't have to stick around and fix it and recognize that. I can have compassion and still take care of myself. But you, on the other hand, have to be willing to look in the mirror. And a lot of times our romantic relationships is a beautiful mirror. That person who is so safe and everything that we feel like we want in this life and we desire and we feel so close to, that's a mirror. And if you're not ready to see what's in the other side of that mirror, looking back at you, it can be really hard to be in a relationship in that way. And so recognizing that you have choices to either project and get defensive, shut down, or be honest and take the tiny steps that you can to say, okay, this is my side, this is your side. we are on the same team. We have some stuff to work together. And people mm-hmm. thinking like that healthy relationships are just gonna be happy all the time. It's not, it's no. the people who can fight and work through the things and come together in conflict and hard things and communicate through mm-hmm. and work on their own stuff. And come together in the same team and work hard at what that is and building that foundation so i say this as someone who is single right now however i still know what to do y'all um dude i i talk, standards to, parents are and high.
1: I I talk to parents and i don't have kids but like i yeah. Yeah. you know so it's like yeah. it's it it is you know something that and we always i think as people that make content or you know we we make a lot of generalizations and there's so many times that i like say something and i go obviously this isn't for everyone and it might not be your situation right 100%. um but it it's pretty easy i think sometimes to generalize that last bit that we just talked about with our especially our generation mm-hmm. um it's it's just kind of the way that it seems to be for almost everyone um almost it's so like I talk to so many dudes that, like, are doing so well with this and still, like, I say this now, like, I am not as in touch with my emotions as I want to be. Mm -hmm. I have moments where I'm, like, hiding a lot of shit. I have moments where I'm pretending to be something I'm not in public because I'm just so used to, like, oh, this is how I'm supposed to act as a dude or, like, this is how I'm supposed to think or this is that and whatever. Yeah. you know, even making that joke before, like the things like just enter my brain because they've been programmed since I was little. Of
0: course. It's like
1: this is how it is. There's so many gender norms and stereotypes. And
0: yeah, it's your subconscious. It's,
1: it's fucked. Yeah. I mean, so, all of
0: ours, really a lot of people yeah. it's just and oh, it's, totally. it runs like 90% of your decisions if you're not conscious to it.
1: Yeah, and really. it's and it's you have to work on it, right? Like there's so many to. times, um, like that it's really about checking in. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like the idea is, is like, all right, I'm going to check in when I'm not involved And this. I mean, this goes kind of for everything. I say this with people with ADHD, um, that are struggling with rumination, like the way you quote unquote fix the thing or work on the thing is to work on it outside of it, outside mm-hmm. of the actual issue. Yeah. When we were just talking, like when you're ruminating and you're having this negative self-talk and that boulders, like, gaining steam and rolling downhill you cannot fix and heal right there you have to get out of that first because the work is done in therapy it's done when people you know i'm not a journaler but i think if you can journal it's fucking awesome if you're able to like talk about your wins in the morning or Mm -hmm. talk about your wins at night or you know meditate these are things that i actually struggle to do so i don't do that but what i've ended up doing is i have created community. Like I have check-ins with so many of my like community members. We do body though. We have just like weekly chats where we just kind yep. of talk about shit. And that is my way of checking in. Because for me, it's community. I need other people to like hold myself accountable. Yep. So I go on podcasts and talk about stuff like this kind of stuff is therapeutic for me. This is for Truly. me like processing out loud, right? We're talking about yep. being verbal processors. Yep. So for me, this is how I do that. This is how I process the shit that I'm going through. Mm -hmm. Um, For other people, they have to write it down. For other people, they have to talk to a therapist. Whatever it is, you have to have regular maintenance on your vehicle. It's just what happens, right? Like, it's not like, oh, I won therapy and uh, fixed everything. So I'm done now. Um, Though that was something I felt like I was trying to do when I first went to therapy. I was like, I'm going to fucking be the best therapy client ever what do you need me to do i'm gonna i'm gonna fix mental health in three weeks watch like what's the record what's the record for like oh my you know healing um yeah. but that's what it is it's an ongoing process it's just like mm-hmm. if you want to work on your physical health you have to go to the gym regularly because if you stop you it you lose it right and it's yep. the same with your mental health you have to work on your mental health regularly whatever that looks like for you um and Some people that aren't working on it right now are probably thinking, wow, that really sucks. I don't want to do this forever. I'm not even doing it now. Why would I want to do it forever? Yeah. And it goes back to the thing like start small, right? Yep. Talk to somebody about it. Join something. Start following some people on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Whatever it is you need to do, just start.
0: And I think it's going to be hard. And I love that idea. It's like choose your hard are you are repeating these these cycles or is it going to you know like and all of these things that come with it and and just the heartbreak that comes with that or not feeling accepted not feeling understood finding yourself in just like these moments where you're like i have things not working out or is it going to be the hard work of starting to look at yourself a little bit starting to shift some some things going to therapy like what, scary. what's the hard gonna be it's, it's
1: scary life it's is hard. hard it's uncomfortable and like As someone that is, and I wouldn't even say I'm on the other side of it, right? But I'm on the other side of starting it. Yeah. Like, if you would have asked me four years ago, I'd be like, yeah, I don't need therapy. That's dumb. But like, talk to four years ago, Ron, and not even on my radar, whatever, I'm fine. There's nothing wrong with me. Yep. And I come to you today with just, I can't even explain how thankful and happy I am that Mm -hmm. I started that journey like Truly. it's i feel so much better you guys like you're hurting shit sucks you're angry yeah. you you like now. screw that <laughs> that's no fun um yeah. i still feel those emotions but man they are not all the time anymore um no. and so, they're not as
0: debilitating
1: for sure mm-hmm. and sometimes going back to step one if you have adhd there's times i've had consultations with people and i've i've said like yeah, I I could totally help you, but probably after you work on some shit first because, yep, you can't like, coaching is figuring out what the invisible thing is in front of you, and mm-hmm. sometimes it is relationships with your parents, sometimes it is yeah. negative self talk and trauma that you had, and if you're able to see it and be like, oh, okay, I can overcome that, then great, we can continue coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, but if if healing needs to take place, which a lot of times it does, especially for a lot of us guys, yeah. um, go go take care of that wound.
0: Yep, very much so. And it's like if we don't work on healing ourselves, we're just gonna bleed on the people we care about most. Yeah. And that sucks. And we I hate doing laundry.
1: So, who wants to do that?
0: So, right? <laughs> <I'm getting laughs> truly, all shirt, all nice. the time. And then the executive functioning that goes into that. And then, oh, man. Like, also,
1: I'll start the laundry, but like, just like you were saying, like piles it's of the clothes. Folding.
0: It's the it's folding it's and stupid. the putting away.
2: <laughs>
1: also, <laughs> the, one of the coolest things oh. I learned about my ADHD as to why I always struggle to put things away is because, and you know, when someone told me once they were like well every everything has a place truly and and i'm in my head i'm like but i have to remember where all those places are mm-hmm. and then they would say no you don't you just know and i'm like i i don't know i have to look for it yeah and so when things are out of my vision I'm like, it could be in one of. Maybe it's there. Like, I have to use brain energy and take up. It's kind of the same thing as routines, right? Yeah. But yeah, if I have shit permanent everywhere yeah. in front of me, I'm like, oh yeah, I can just go grab that stuff. So mm-hmm. putting it away might look better to everybody else, but like, it makes my life harder, and yeah. I have to put effort towards it. This is stupid, right? So
0: yeah. And um, then it's also like after a certain time your brain stops seeing it in the same place you have to move yeah. it into a different place so right your brain it becomes to it again. <laughs> yeah. for
1: sure I've I've I'm always looking for yeah. if anybody out there has any suggestions like go ahead and like Instagram message me or whatever like i by the way I love Instagram messages too but ways to like hang clothes in like or like having just stuff that you can Like fold clothes over this is so hard to explain right but like how do I hang clothes on the wall that Mm -hmm. isn't like wallpaper but it like makes I don't know I'm I want things to look nice and be organized but also it makes sense for my brain Mm -hmm. and I think someone needs to invent that shit like how can we make clothes invisible and then I press a button and they're just spread out in front of me Where's the, the Jetsons? Science
0: there, Go to the Jetsons. Right? That's, like, that's what I want. want. I, I like you just, want like, that. I want the thing that's just gonna like automatically change my hairstyle because that's just the whole thing, and like that they, just sure. determines. Yeah, I'm <laughs> okay. like that. You want that? That's lovely. I'm. I'm literally thinking of like those shoe organizers, and then just like put different things in. There. <sighs> but or then, then I still have to
1: fold it, and then I, mean, I have to okay. search through it. It's better. I, it. I know.
0: It's, it's better, better. But yeah, know I know. I too, I want like a like. hear
1: you. I want a thing that like sticks out from the wall that can like fold. You know, like. Like, so, like mm-hmm. I imagine, like a stick from the wall that I hang all the clothes on, and then it just folds against the wall, and then, it goes, and then like, I can up. like pull it out. Yeah, what and if, up. Like well, there's like a had, contraption like in the ceiling.
0: <laughs> you might have to invent this. But, like, what if you know, like those old school beds? I mean, people probably still have them, but oh, like they the, fold like, against the, the, the Murphy wall. Beds. Yeah, what? Yeah, yeah. yeah. What if you literally just like make one of those into like a, a folding closet, oh and God. then like you just. I don't know. I don't I'm know. Do I'm just all saying. Right. Is the OT brain going right a now? A Murphy like, closet. Right? And then it's just
1: Yeah, and then it's like when you pull it out too, it's I mean, if you think about like a Murphy bed, there's tons of there's like a room yeah. for a bed. Yeah. There's gonna be totally room for my clothes. Yeah. Um okay.
0: See, and then I'm gonna
1: Google this shit now. Look at us coming up with stuff. You're you're
0: and you would gonna be like, Oh, that one time. Just to send me a little bit of money when you make a lot of money. Okay. Just a (laughs) teeny bit. Here's give me a teeny bit of credit. I'm kidding. The problem,
1: like we can come up with this. I need somebody to make it for me.
0: (laughs) Ain't that the truth? Everyone,
1: if we have any engineers out there that are fantastic at starting projects and want to work with us, um, Taylor and I have a fantastic idea to make millions. So and back
0: on the executive functioning train <laughs> oh oh my gosh well ron i think we need to make that come to life and also thank you so much for coming and having this conversation I oh it was think a pleasure it is very needed and you know we, we both were like we're just gonna let this go how it goes and it's just <laughs> it gonna fun. work yeah. out yeah. That's, that's, how, that's how you tie your vibe you know the adhd sure. vibe it works the best so thank you so much and Can you share a little bit about more about what you do, what you're working on right now and how people can connect with you?
1: Sure. Um, I mean, in ADHD fashion, I'm doing so many freaking things. Um, Something that I've done for myself um, and my business is I've decided to kind of do just a bunch of ADHD things under the, like the umbrella of ADHD. So I coach, I'm an advocate. um, I run a community. I do groups for people. Um, um, I'm also, if you're an ADHD professional out there or someone that works in the ADHD space, whether that's as a therapist, psychiatrist, doctor, researcher, coach, content creator, maybe you're just somebody that loves making ADHD memes and um, you want to collaborate with other ADHD professionals. Um, Me and a fellow coach do a cruise um, that we are having our second cruise in September. Um, we are full for that one, but we're planning on doing another one uh, next year. And we're trying to make it like a biannual thing um, okay. where we are bringing just kind of different sections of the ADHD community. Cause it, it does feel like we, you know, have our cohorts that are content creators or coaches or therapists and we try Mm -hmm. we're trying to bring everyone together to get to bring different perspective and to um you know bring better content to the community more accessible content Um, so i'm doing that and um yeah uh just any anything i can Um, my my main kind of thing is advocacy always but as a coach i do one-on-ones uh group and have that community uh you can find me at adhdcoachron.com uh, ADHD underscore Ron on Instagram and ADHD coach Ron on TikTok. I'm also on threads and I freaking love it there. If anybody is on threads, I know some people have gotten bored with it, but like I spend my day whenever something witty or stupid comes to my head, I post it on threads. So um, I encourage I you to go on the threads and check it out. I talk <laughs> about pickles a lot. Yeah. I talk about pickles a lot. And um uh yeah it's it's a lot of fun um awesome. but yeah feel free to to like message me I love talking ADHD yeah. stuff yeah and um yeah that's that's about it did I hit right. everything I think that's what you asked me
0: you told me about an announcement that you're working on that will be new when we were talking oh yesterday.
1: yeah that's I just exciting. want to make sure you
0: want to announce it before <laughs> I I'm do hey. well it's because I <laughs> haven't done it
1: yet so I forgot I know but, like um we're uh we're ha- we're starting a podcast me and a fellow coach um she's freaking hilarious um her name is liz uh liz welshman i god i should find out what her instagram is too um but we are starting a podcast called i forgot to tell you something Love it. and um the the objective of our podcast is to kind of talk about things from an ADHD perspective. So it's not necessarily an ADHD podcast. We're going to tackle things like imposter syndrome and RSD and emotional regulation and stuff. But then also some things that you don't hear um, either men or women talking about. So we're going to be talking about like either, uh, you know, hypo arousal when it comes to like sex and ADHD or hyper arousal when it comes to sex and ADHD. We're going to be talking about, um, breast cancer. Uh, we're be talking about uh IVF, which is something my wife and I are going through. and as a man, it's something that I think a lot of men should understand a lot more because we don't. And mm-hmm. what I've seen already um with doctors that and and how they treat men in the process is is kind of just like, oh, they don't need to know anything and they don't care. Mm. Um, and so we're gonna be talking about that. and all of this with an ADHD lens because, us as ADHDers have unique perspectives on things and are, you know, super emotional. And so, what it's like to go through these processes, and um, yeah, we're really excited. Also, we think we're really funny. So um, you are funny. I try to be with that.
0: There's <laughs> that external validation. Ron is very funny. <laughs> I do not know your co-host, but I will say you are very funny. She's she's just a excited. hysterical.
1: She's one of those like delightfully unhinged mm-hmm. Australians Love that. that just like naturally like it's not like she's sitting there cracking jokes but it's just like she just has that like you're laughing at her all the time because she's just she's just witty and hysterical just and naturally
0: has that on you know when you're she's looking got at that the personality like traits
1: she fucks up something and it just makes it funnier i think the australian ha- accent happens too where she's like oh fuck you know like it's <laughs> it's it's great she was at the she was at the adhd conference last year and had some slides like screw up and had the entire audience just like crying laughing because she's just like yeah delightfully awkward and funny so we're gonna have a blast um uh, we even said that it's partially it's for us because we just get into really great combos and laugh and talk about stupid shit so um you can check us out we're we're gonna start recording in a couple weeks um so I guess by the time this comes out, hopefully we'll have an episode out. But if not, um yeah, shoot shoot me a message on Instagram. Tell me give me some external validation. Um <laughs> no. Um you were tell me how so great I am
0: on Taylor's podcast. Oh my, oh gosh, my gosh. Guys, yeah.
1: stop, but go on. Um <laughs> yeah. It, I need this really to function. Great. I had a blast. Thank
2: you.
0: Good, of course. I will make sure everyone go check out all of the things that Ron has going on. Again, thank you so much. And I hope everyone has whatever day feels right to you. Have a good one.